Welcome to the Sky Society Podcast, the place where dream careers come true. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Sky Society, Natalie Peters. Prepare for smiles, tears, surprises, and epic takeaways. This podcast is for the ambitious woman who wants it all and wants it real. We're diving deep with relatable and dreamy guests who are showing you what actually matters when it comes to starting and accelerating your career so you can make your dream job your real job. Let's make it happen. Welcome back to another episode of the Sky Society podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Katie Vallad. She is the senior recruiter, marketing operations and people at Calendly. She has over nine years of experience in talent in the talent acquisition world, and I'm so excited to be chatting with her today. So welcome, Katie. Hi, happy to be here. So happy to have you here. Before we get into all the career stuff, I want to touch on some of the fun stuff. So you mentioned that you're a huge Marvel fan. I saw that on LinkedIn. Yes, very, very huge Marvel fan, huge Star Wars. It's always been a part of my life, so I've always been pretty passionate about it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Marvel movie? Ooh, I would say the one that made me fall in love was Iron Man. Same. Me first. too. Iron Man's Iron Man's always a favorite. Always a favorite, but I would say the one that like impacted me the most is probably Endgame. I saw it four times in the movie theater within the first weekend. What? (laughs) So you were regular. They knew you by first name by the end of the weekend. They sure did. So I would say that one was probably my favorite. Wow. Yeah, that was definitely that whole franchise, like the whole Avengers was absolutely amazing. I'm a huge Marvel fan, too. Good. Love it. (laughs) And then you've also traveled a lot. How many states have you lived in? So I keep going back to the same states, but I grew up in Colorado. I went to college in Wyoming and I was in Wyoming for five years, went back to Colorado, moved to LA, loved LA, got homesick, came back to Colorado, missed California, moved to San Diego. I was in San Diego for about four and a half years. And then last year I moved back to Colorado. So you just keep going back and forth between the same couple states. <laughs> back and forth. I still might move somewhere else. Great thing about my job is I can live anywhere in the United States. So I still might move, but I just don't know where that will be. And then I'll probably end up coming back to Colorado. I'll do what I always love to do and recruit everyone to Austin, Texas. Come out here. It's great. <laughs> I almost moved there last year. I went to visit for two weeks and I fell in love. I have a very large dog who doesn't do heat very well, which is one of the reasons why we love San Diego. And so I was like, oh, I just don't know if he could handle the heat. If you thought San Diego, because I lived in San Diego too. I went to school there. So if you thought San Diego was too hot, then there's no way you'd survive in Austin. (laughs) Austin is like next level. San Diego is beautiful weather, or at least I thought. And then I grew up in California. So like switching over to Austin and having the summers just be like 100 plus degrees every day for months is definitely a change. Okay, good to know. Well, then mm-hmm. I will probably only visit Austin. And yes, not, <laughs> not in the summer. Come in like this, the winter, spring when it's cooler. Perfect. And then last thing I wanted to mention, because I saw this on LinkedIn too, is that did you do AKSI in college? I did. I was also an AKSI. <laughs> I always loved, I used to love telling people, it's like, I'm not in a sorority. I'm actually in a business fraternity. It was like my favorite thing to say. 
I loved it. It was a really cool experience. We made shirts that I thought were cool. It was like, we're here to take your jobs. And it was just, it was a really good experience. I really enjoyed it. I haven't really stayed in touch with some of the people that we were in the business fraternity with. Your pledge class. Yeah, but it was a really, it was a cool, it was a cool experience. Yeah, I always love it when I see it on other people's LinkedIn's or resumes. But yeah, definitely a unique experience. It's a business fraternity for those people who don't know, but like an intensive one. I don't know if it was like that for your school, but it was like lots of like quizzes. And yeah, it was it was it was not just like a relaxed thing to be a part of. It was pretty intensive. It was very intensive for us, too. We had a lot of, you know, actual like business work that they would have us like present to people and present to the community. And it was it was a lot, but I learned a lot. So I liked it. Yeah, and I met a lot of amazing people through it too. So yeah, definitely amazing experience. Okay, we're gonna fast forward though from college to where you are now. And I wanna dive into to you a little bit more. So Katie, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I am a recruiter. I have been in recruiting, like you said, for over nine years now. I would say I fell into recruiting. It was definitely not a job I even knew really existed, if that makes sense. But I had been working sales position. And then my friend had reached out to me and said, hey, I just joined this new company. It's really fun. You only have to dial 50 calls a day instead of where I was at, where I was dialing out, you know, 100 to 200 calls a day. And so I said, oh, that sounds amazing. What do you do? And she's like, I'm not really sure yet, but it's just less call. And so <laughs> and I, you're like, and I'm in. <laughs> I was like, done. I just don't want to call 200 people a day. And so I joined and it was Modus and it was a recruiting agency. And essentially it taught me that there is a whole industry of trying to get people jobs. And I loved the people aspect. I think finding someone's dream job is the thing that has always kept me in recruiting. I want to help someone get that, you know, get that dream role. I stayed in agency recruiting for quite some time, but then really wanted to go to what we call in-house, which is when you go and work for a company directly, just because I wanted to also watch the people I hire grow within a career and get them, you know, to keep progressing in their career and just follow along with them. As well as working in a company, you get to be ingrained in their culture and you get to really understand what you're recruiting for. And so I did that. And then I went into my first like real in-house role, which was General Atomics and their government defense agency in San Diego. And that's when I really started to get my feet wet along the lines of just government DOD recruiting. It's a whole new world. Stayed there, implemented a sourcing program, and then moved to IBM. And IBM was a really good experience because we did like agency that sat at an internal company. It's called an RPO. It is a whole nother realm of recruiting that I had never really experienced. And then I worked for S company in San Diego called Altium. And I loved it there. But while I was there, I had an old manager that used to work at General Atomics tap me on the shoulder for Calendly. And I had been obsessed with Calendly's product because in the recruiting world, it just makes your life so much easier. And so I jumped at the chance to work there. And after a little back and forth, they had a role open, then they didn't have a role open, and then they came back to me and they had a new role open. I finally got to join Calendly. And so now I am here and I am supporting the marketing team primarily with people and operations as well. 
That is amazing. What a journey you've had. And for those who don't know, can you tell us what Calendly does? Yeah. So we are a scheduling app. I would say that that doesn't give us as much credit as it as I should. We have so much more to offer than just scheduling. But at the base of it, we are a scheduling app. I am obsessed with this company because of our CEO. I don't know if anyone knows Tope. He is our CEO. He created Calendly in a very unique way. He was in a sales role before and he kept having that, you know, back and forth with scheduling and the pain points that come to trying to get someone on your calendar, went out into the market to try to find a tool to help, didn't see one. And then I think he did the unthinkable, which I think is amazing, is he quit his job, took out all of his 401k and his life savings, got a big old loan, hired a couple contract developers and just went all in. You just gave me full body chills. He's an incredible person and he's super passionate about like just connecting people. I mean, at the end of the day, scheduling is connection and making sure that people get the connection they need and when they need and making it easy. And so it just seems to be a product that I still love. And now we have so many different features that make it even easier. So it's definitely a really cool tool for anyone who hasn't used it yet. I recommend it for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's amazing. I've, I've used it throughout my whole career and it's free for for anyone who's listening for your basic needs. Like you could just go in, go and grab it. And it's- so tell me, I want to go back really quickly. You mentioned doing recruiting for agency versus in-house. And I'm very familiar with we've had like PR people come on that talk about agency versus in-house. But now in the in-house role doing recruiting, can you go back to that relationship piece for a second? Because you mentioned that now in-house you get to stick with people in their careers or can you describe that a little bit more? Yeah. So at an agency, typically with an agency is you get a job requirement and it's 99% of the time going to be for a contract role. So it's a six you know, nine month contract. There are a few times where you can do a permanent placement within a company, but really with an agency, you get that role. You try to find someone who's the best fit, you get them hired. And then once they're hired, you will stay in touch with them, you know, throughout their time with the contract. But then that's about it because then you're moving on to a new role. So you don't get to you build the relationship in the beginning, but it doesn't really maintain throughout their career because you're on to another thing and then another thing. So when I went in-house, I was able to get someone hired and then keep talking to them and get them promoted. And if they had a role that they were interested in cross-functionally, get them connected to that hiring manager. See if maybe there's a mentorship prop, like, you know, program that we could create. Or if we wanted to do a thing where they just had meetings with certain people to learn what product marketing is or what social media marketing is and be able to have that connection throughout their entire like progression within a company. That's what I see the difference in the relationship. Yeah. And I think that's originally what you mentioned kind of drew you to recruiting in the first place was getting to help people find those dream jobs. And I can only imagine that it's much more fulfilling when you've built this relationship for so long and then you finally get to see that person achieve and succeed. I can only imagine how great that must feel. Yeah. It's definitely a highlight of every day for me at, in, in recruiting as a whole. I love that. And for someone right now, so I have some, so our audience is 
we have a lot of job seekers as well that listen to this or even people that may be like passively looking at opportunities for do you have any like advice for if someone's working with a recruiter like how they can tell if they're going to be good like an advocate for them or if maybe it's not so much of a good fit because I also hear a lot about especially in the marketing space there's like these marketing jobs that aren't actually marketing jobs that recruiters are out there recruiting for so do you have any advice or tips in that area yeah, absolutely. And I do want to just preface, you know, that anything I share today is definitely just my opinion and not in any way a reflection of my employer. But from my opinion, you can know what a recruiter is after by asking them deep, hard hitting questions. I think what happens is, and I've been in the other shoe when I'm looking for a job and I talk to recruiters when I'm looking for a job is I'm, you know, either really, you know, interested in the company. And so I want to make the best impression that I can, which is great. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that you are interviewing them too. And so if they don't want to give you a lot of information or they seem like they're withholding, or if they seem like they're not going to be really, you know, expressive with what the process is like or what compensation looks like. I think that's something that you can really start to look at. I know for me, it's really important for me to be transparent and genuine and authentic. And I think if someone asks me a true question around, well, what is your company culture like? What do you think is really great at your company? And what do you think needs to be improved upon? Like, what are some things that you are like, oh, this could be better because that happens everywhere. Calendly is the best job I've ever had, but that doesn't mean that there aren't room, there isn't room for improvement. And I think if you talk to someone and they are maybe just two rainbows and glitter about something, then they might not be as honest and transparent as they should be. And I think with compensation as well, I think you should be able to say what your expectations are and they should be able to say whether or not they can meet those expectations and why. I think the compensation conversation is where recruiters start to get a little bit of a bad rep in the community because I feel when I'm on LinkedIn, that's all I see is like, why isn't it transparent with salary? Why can't I see what the salary is? Why is someone not being honest with me about what comp is? I went through the whole process and then they gave me an offer and it was $20,000 less than I had initially said. I think a good recruiter will have that conversation with you up front. Let's stay on that for a second, because that is such a I feel like a fear and I know especially for women sometimes of asking for your worth and there's this fear that I talk to girls about is they're afraid first of all when you're new in your career you don't really know what to value yourself out you're kind of like figuring it out because you sure. don't have anything to base it off of and you also desperately want a job and so you're very, a lot of these girls are very afraid of like oh my gosh if I say a number that's too high like are they going to not want to interview me anymore? Or And they're just so much fear around stating their salary requirements. Um, yes. What are your thoughts on that? So I will say I totally get it because I have been the same way. I think what it really needs to be is, A, you are more than like able to ask, what is your budget for this role? Like, what are you targeting for the company? If you don't feel comfortable at that, that point in your career to say, I know I deserve this. This is what I'm worth. If you're still trying to figure out those numbers, then you can go out and say like, well, what are you guys looking for? 
based on your budget, based on the salary range, what do you guys, what is your compensation philosophy around this role? They should be able to tell you some kind of number. If they don't, that to me is a little bit of a hesitation. I know at Calendly, what I love about our compensation philosophy is we don't ask what you're currently making. We don't care what you're currently making. We want to know what you want to make. What do you want? What do you think you deserve? What is what is your worth? And then if your worth is still lower than what we're targeting, we will give you what we're targeting. We're not going to, we want you to know, like we're advocating for you. So I think really in the beginning, do some research. I know they're not always 100% correct, which is kind of, uh, bummer, but you can go on LinkedIn and see what the market is yielding. You can go on, I think it's like PayScale, there's salary.com, and you can start to look at what certain jobs and years of experience are paying. And then at the end of the day, just say, This is what I need. I am flexible depending on your compensation philosophy, but I'd love for you to share what you're targeting for the role they should be able to answer you honestly and authentically. And if they don't, I feel like that might be a little bit of a red flag. I love that term too, compensation philosophy. I, I have not heard that before. I like that. Okay. It, it's a good thing because it's all encompassing of base, bonus, if there's equity, like just how the company looks at compensation as a whole. Yeah. So there should not be fear. And then one of the other things just to confirm is if, I were an applicant and let's say, you know, you were considering me for a role and I said that I was looking to make something that's outside of your budget, what would you do in that scenario? So I would say that's fantastic. I will say that, you know, for this role, just based on, you know, we look at what the market is yielding. We look at years of experience when we look at levels as well as our internal equity. So based off of that, we're targeting this. Is that something you'd be open to? If not, I totally understand. And we can stay connected until a new role at a higher level is presented. But if you're open to some flexibility, this is what we're looking at. I want to ask that because I want to give people the peace of mind that you're not going to say, bye, like, you're sorry, like, you're no longer a good fit for the role. And I think that's where the fear comes from is like, I'm so afraid that they're not going to want to talk to me anymore. And so that was beautiful what you just said. So that way everyone knows that a good company won't just disqualify you. They'll be upfront about it. And then you have the option to decide if you want to keep moving forward. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, we know, I know for every role I've ever had, I'm always told this is what we're looking to pay. There's always flexibility within the range, depending on someone's 10 year experience, education, everything along those lines. It does give you a little bit of a wiggle room, but at the end of the day, we know what we're targeting. And if it's a good candidate, we're never going to say, well, never mind. Bye. I mean, it's just not the way that recruiting works. And if you do feel like they are treating you that way, that should be maybe where you start to go. Mm, I don't know if this is the right company for me. Yes, exactly. Okay, I want to go and to stick on this kind of, you know, these mis or these fears that I feel like a lot of people have on their application process. And I, you've been doing talent acquisition for one form of another for pretty much your whole life. So you've got a lot of wisdom to share. Can you talk about some of the resume mistakes that you see most often? Again, maybe sticking more with like within marketing and more like beginning of, the, your career? Absolutely. So I would say 
Some of the biggest things that I would recommend that people do on their resumes is I would try to make it pretty clear and concise. I think what happens sometimes, and again, if you're more in the beginning stages of your career, you might not have a ton of experience. So this might not be as big of an issue, but I know as you start to grow in your career, I'll start to see just, you know, 10 page resumes, which is a lot. And so just trying to make everything kind of clear and concise. Grammar is huge. And spelling errors is huge. And I think that a lot of hiring managers can look past it, but the minute that they see it, if it's a job, if it's a copywriter job and they see a spelling error, they're going to be like, oh, oh, okay. We're going to have to now deep dive into their attention to detail and what this looks like. So if you can come in right off the gate and not have any spelling errors. I think it's really important for anything that you've done, even if it's not in a corporate corporate setting, but when you're saying your experience to identify what the task was, what you accomplished and what the return on it was. So even if you are a waitress and you have daily sales numbers of this and you have consistently beat out sales numbers of this, which then brought company revenue. It's just trying to identify like what you did, how you did it and what the outcome was. That's all hiring managers want to see. And that outcome part is so important. Everyone forgets that. Like for example, for a waitress, the most common thing people say is delivered good customer service or something like that. But what did that, what did that yield? Did that yield you doing upsells at your table because you built good relationships to like, what was the result of that? And I think that's where everyone, or at least what I see is they always forget that last piece. That last piece. That's what I think, even in interviewing, they just want to know what you did, what the problem was, what you did to fix the problem. And then what was that outcome? Good, bad, or indifferent, just to see how you've worked through the whole process. I think that really identifying that on a resume is really important. I really think, I know this might not be something that people deal with, but making sure you have bullet points and not paragraphs. I do love marketing because the resumes are really pretty and they have a lot of artistic value to it. That doesn't necessarily matter sometimes though, when a hiring manager is just kind of looking through it. So if you want to do that, fantastic, but don't worry about if you don't have that, if it's just a plain black and white, that's fine. That's not something that they're ever going to consider and be like, oh, never mind. They didn't. What do about it. applicant tracking systems? Do you know how important they are and like prioritizing for those? Yes. Yeah, so I will say I have never worked anywhere that had an applicant tracking system that automatically rejected any candidates based on their resume. Everywhere I've worked, I have been, every recruiter has read every single resume that has come through. So what I would do and what I always recommend to my friends and to myself and to anyone, when you look at the job description, there's going to be the section that says responsibilities. And then there's going to be a section that says requirements go line by line. And if you have done any of the responsibilities, put that into what you have done in your experience and the requirements, if it's different technology stacks, if it's, you know, that you've used Adobe or you use Photoshop or anything like that, highlight that in your experience. 
I have used this technology stack. I did this with this technology stack. I have experience, if it says, you know, working cross-functionally with different teams, identify when there was a time that you worked cross-functionally with different teams. Because as a recruiter, that's what we're looking for. All of our, I'm not an expert in marketing by any means, but I know that what the hiring manager wants and I will look for that exact thing in your resume. And so as like difficult as it seems to just make it as poignant as you, as you can, like, even if you're like, Oh, this is like really over the top. I think I've said this about 14 times for me. You didn't say it 14 times. You might've said it once. So just know that whoever's reading your resume not might not be an expert in what you did. So really spelling out every single thing that you did that's related to the job requirement, super important. And spelling it out by using the same vernacular, right? Since you don't know everything about marketing, you may not know if somebody uses it in different terminology than is actually on the job description. Yes, 100%. Okay, I love that piece of advice. Amazing. So being specific about what you've done and specifically to the job. So then your recommendation would be to customize your resume per each job. Every, every time, every time. And I think it does take a little bit more time to do that, but I know that it is really super beneficial for recruiters, for hiring managers, because then they also see that you took the time to do that. Not that anyone would or mean to, but I have had many people who have submitted a resume in the subject line is, you know, looking for an opportunity to do this. And it's a completely different job than what I have listed. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's because they have one standard resume that they're, you know, yeah. actively submitting, which is totally fair. But from a hiring manager perspective, when they see looking to be a marketing data analyst, but the role that we're hiring for is like web performance, they're going to say, well, what does that what does that mean? Is that, are they actually looking for our job or not our job? And again, you don't have to put that on a resume anymore. People can take that. <laughs> yeah. The objective part at the top. Yeah. You the objective part you do yeah. not need anymore, but if yeah. you do have it, just make sure you do pay attention to where you're applying. Okay. And then let's, so anything else on cover letters before we move on? No, I would say most companies also don't require cover letters. Oh, sorry. Uh, I meant to say resumes to move on to cover letters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was what I meant to say. <laughs> okay. Nothing. So, yeah. Cover letters. What are your thoughts on cover letters? So, a lot of companies don't require it. Some companies do. Most companies I've worked for don't. I would say if you have the time to do one, fantastic. I would recommend doing one if you have a unique background and you're trying to get into a new role. So, if you are in junior in your career. And so maybe you haven't had hands-on experience. Maybe a cover letter would be really nice to say your hobbies that you've done that show how you're passionate about design or anything along those lines. And I also think for any design related roles, always share your portfolio or a link to your portfolio. I know most of my hiring managers that they look for that right away right away. And if it's not an easy link to like just click and go and they have to like copy and paste it and put it in a browser, that's also something that they don't love. So just knowing that that is something we really do look at every single time and putting that with your resume, putting it in your cover letter. Great. I don't think you really have to do a cover letter anymore these days. I just don't think that that's where we're at within recruiting. 
But if you want to explain gaps in your employment or why you're transitioning to a totally different job or industry, then you can use a cover letter to explain that. Okay. Amazing. And I'm glad you mentioned portfolios too, because I'm a huge advocate of those, especially in marketing or creative spaces. The next thing I want to also talk about is LinkedIn. Do you have any tips for people to optimize their LinkedIn to get noticed by recruiters? Yes. So I would think in your LinkedIn, what's really good is you have your name and there's your title. So I, I really do think your title, like make it super fun, make it whatever, whatever you would like. I do also love in the section, like the, your about me section, make it fun, show who you are, show what you're looking for. We as recruiters use LinkedIn all day, every day. That is primarily how we source candidates these days. There are different avenues that we also use, but obviously there are millions and millions and millions of people on LinkedIn. So it is a really good tool for us to immediately go to. And how we search is we will create a Boolean search string. So if I'm looking for like a marketing data analyst for a SaaS company, I am going to look for SaaS. I'm going to look for marketing. I'm going to look for data. I'm going to look for analytics. I'm going to type those words in. I'm going to look for if there's certain tools, if we need them to have mode or heap, I'm going to say mode and heap. And I'm going to put all that into a string and it's going to pull up. It's going to yield what the what is in LinkedIn with people who have those names on their, like just on their essential profile. So a lot of people have just their job title and the years that they're working somewhere. Fair. That's super great. But if I'm looking for certain technologies or experiences and you don't have any of that listed, I'm not going to know that you can do any of those things. And so you wouldn't be someone I would technically reach out to. So I think it's really important not to do your whole resume on LinkedIn, but if I was, you know, a senior recruiter at Calendly and I wanted people to know what I was doing, I would say that I support marketing operations and people. I use Greenhouse as my applicant tracking system. I use, you know, my time to fill is this. I currently hold so many recs under my name, just a few bullets. So if someone was searching for me, they would see that. And I also think in your title, having what you do, what industry you're look, you're, you work in, that also really helps. So making it not overly complicated, but just making sure that the high level things that you do are sh shown so a recruiter can search it and find you. All I'm trying, you said so many good things in there. <laughs> I, so the, the Boolean search. So just for, can you explain what that is? It's just, yeah. yeah, explain what that is. Yeah. So essentially it's super old school. It's essentially how Google works, right? So when you go into a Google search and you say you're looking for restaurants in Denver, that's a Boolean search. They simplified it so you don't have to actually create the whole string anymore. And so Google then knows that you're telling it to find anything that has restaurant in Denver in any website, in any blog, in anything. And so when it comes back and there's a million point two hits, they're finding whatever you put in that search. And so with recruiting, 10 years ago, it's much easier now, but 10 years ago, 
when you wanted to search, you had to actually create the search string yourself. And so there's a whole thing that you have to do with how you put it in parentheses and how you say and or 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 not and how that tells the system what you're asking for. And so in LinkedIn, it has the same premise. So we have recruiter seat that are a whole nother level of LinkedIn that's purely just for talent acquisition. And I will go in and it will have a search function and I will literally type in every single thing that I'm looking for in a candidate and it will bring back who in all of LinkedIn has those five things that I had listed. Okay. So very similar to Google. And I think the way that you search it too is like in quotes, correct me if I'm wrong, like in the search or is it still different now? So you can definitely do it that way. Everything's been a little bit more simplified, but technically like if I wanted to find a marketing, I wanted someone who literally in there somewhere in their profile, it says marketing data analyst. I would put that in quotes and that's telling LinkedIn that they have to have that specific phrase. Okay. If I, I'm more, Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. No, I, I, the reason I'm having you explain this is because I think that we forget the value of keywords and that LinkedIn is a search engine just like Google and that people can be very cavalier with how they put together their LinkedIn profiles and they don't even, they're like, why do I even need to put my description on my work experience? Like it's on my resume. Like why would I have it there twice? Or why would I spend more time on my about section? Or, you know, I just assume people who don't even spend the time to make their LinkedIn profile complete. And even if you're not actively looking for a job, there's so much value in it because you know, I feel like the, some of the best jobs that people on this podcast have had have not been because they've been looking for a job. They've been because an opportunity came about that they didn't even know that they needed. And so I feel like updating your LinkedIn and making it optimized for searches for potential opportunities that you may want to have. And even knowing to include specific things like even if let's say you are actively looking to go to the job descriptions of company of jobs that you would want and go see, OK, what is the specific terms that they're using and how can I add those to my profile so that you are you know, potentially getting reached out to by recruiters. Absolutely. And I think in my experience, I always, I always have, obviously we have a job open. I get applicants. I always go to LinkedIn and search always for people who might not be looking for a role. I always do that. And so I think it's also good from a candidate perspective. If you get a recruiter reaching out and it's not something you really are interested in, but you you know, kind of want to see more about the company. I think it's really beneficial for you to have those conversations, especially if you're trying to figure out compensation. Mm, it is great. Good point. That's a really good point. To understand what is the market yielding. Maybe you've been in your role for four years and it's completely changed. Have some conversations with recruiters and see what is the market yielding right now. Maybe the role is more exciting than you even thought of. Maybe you're not actively looking, but hey, this might seem like a good opportunity. I know all of my fellow recruiters that I've worked with, LinkedIn is something that they use every day. We're on it every day. So if you can optimize it with, you know, keywords that you're seeing within the market or just the tools that you use, you don't even have to do anything too specific, but I use these tools every day. That will pop up on my search. Yes. I like those and those tools too. I think people undervalue how, like, why would, why would it matter that I put this name of the software, but it does matter. So I'm really glad that you're sharing it. 
I want to, I do want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about what or if things have changed for you as a recruiter since COVID. And I've, I've read different things about how, you know, what we value in candidates has now kind of changed just because the world has changed so much. And I would love your opinion on if the way you search for and like what you value in candidates has changed since the pandemic. I think since the pandemic, I think one thing that I really love is that companies started to be so much more open to remote work. And so I think for me, what's been really nice is that now I can approach people in all different states and I can really start to reach out to people who I might not have ever reached out to before. I think one of the best things that I've experienced so far is COVID made people who might have not been in the market or open to new industries, open to new industries. So we at Calendly have actually hired quite a few people who used to be teachers and now that they've, now they're moving into a tech role. And I think it's made my managers specifically just open to understanding that all experience is really valuable and that they don't necessarily need to have you know, six plus years in a SaaS startup environment with this, this, and this, that maybe you came from, you know, an education background, or you came from a government background or whatever it might be. And that there are so many skills that are transferable. I feel like it's made the opportunity to talk to more people and to just understand that diverse backgrounds are fantastic and they bring so much innovation to a company and that we really can speak to people who may have not had the hands-on experience that we're looking for but can bring a whole new light to it so i think it's made it better personally i agree i love that change i hope that continues and i think especially because it's you i've i've heard that too of just everyone is feeling like they could, I mean, like me, I moved to Austin without ever being, like everyone's now like switching up and doing things that they wouldn't normally do. And so I love to see that that is a big change that's happening is that you can try something new and not necessarily have all of the experience, but be valued for your transferable skills. That's amazing. Yes. Okay, Katie, I think that is it for today. Where can our audience find you if they want to learn more about you? Den, my home. I am on there all day, every day. I'm happy to connect with anyone. If anyone ever has questions or you, my favorite thing is if you have a job you really like, send me a job and send me your resume and I can tell you what a recruiter is going to look for. And if you have that experience, add it on. So really, I get messaged all the time on LinkedIn. I'm happy to communicate, to help, to be there. I will say my inbox on LinkedIn is like, I get a hundred messages a day. So I don't always respond right away, but I go through them weekly, but I'm always happy to be an advocate, whether you're looking for a job at Calendly or not. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. And thank you for spending the time to share your story and your advice on the Sky Society podcast. It was so much fun talking to you and you shared so much insane value. So I very much appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. You can also join our private LinkedIn group for women in marketing. It's called Sky Society Women in Marketing, and you are welcome to join us on LinkedIn. And you can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at skysociety.co for more information on all things marketing and career. And I'll see you in the next episode.